Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the CES Energy Solutions Corp second quarter 2021 results conference call and webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there'll be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. Should anyone need assistance during the conference call, they may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Tony Alicino, Chief Financial Officer. Please go ahead. Thank, thank you very much, Gaylene. And uh, good morning, everyone. And thank you for attending today's call. I'd like to note that in our commentary today, there will be forward-looking financial information and that our actual results may differ materially from the expected results due to various risk factors and assumptions. These risk factors and assumptions are summarized in our second quarter MD&A and press release dated August 12, 2021, and in our AIF dated March 11, 2021. In addition, certain financial measures that we will refer to today are not recognized under current general accepted accounting policies. And for a description and definition of these, Please see our fourth quarter MDNA. At this time, I'd like to turn it over to Tom Simons, our president and CEO. Thanks, Tony. Um, in the face of global supply chain pressure, Canadian breakup, certain customers' resistance to pricing increases, CES is very pleased with our Q2 results. They're only possible because of our loyal customers and even more dedicated employees. On today's call, we'll provide our customary operations update for Canada, US, and what I'm gonna start calling Oman Light. We'll speak plainly about capital allocation. We'll share our optimistic outlook for CES within this operate within cash flow energy patch. Tony will give a detailed financial update. We'll take Q&A, and then we'll wrap up the call. I'm going to start with Canada. So Canadian MUD turned in a positive EBITDA for CES through Q2. From when I began as a MUD engineer in 93 in Canada, that's a huge accomplishment in this competitive market. And how did Ken Zayer and his team keep doing it? By doing deeper pad work that saves days for the leading operators. Today, we have 58 jobs. PureChem, our production chemical business in Canada, through Q2, did very well for the company financially and operationally. But today, faces input cost pressure and supply chain pressure. Some CapEx is going to be spent in the second half of the year that will assist and relieve some of those problems and help our meet, our, meet our customers' needs, particularly in the oil sense. We're getting nice contributions through the summer from frack and stem, but that business is variable. Low CapEx fits over our infrastructure, but it's variable. 
We remain completely committed strategically and scientifically to these product lines throughout CES in North America. Out in Vancouver, Sialco continues to both financially and strategically contribute to CES. Thanks, guys. Clear continues scratching to keep its nose above water. It's been a long time since Justin started stepping on this province's chest. These guys are keeping it up in a competitive market. We appreciate it. I'll move on to the U.S. AES delivered, again, strong financial and market share. 20% market share and making money. We're not chasing market share. While we are strategic, we remain committed to margin, which translates to EBITDA. Today, we have 83 jobs in the U.S. I'll move on to what I'm going to call Oman Light. With substantial one-year-plus planning from intercompany people, AES has us on a project in Oman. It's a resource or tight oil play. It's deep, vast, and our history with the customer is strong and built on mutual trust. But a note of caution, it's early days for this customer. For any of this to matter, oil needs to flow. But we know how to do our part and possibly grow from this. I've been a part of this myself. I've been there. And I believe I see business upside for CES business lines beyond drilling fluids as well. I'll now move on to JCAM Catalyst in the U.S. Where, as always, they clip along with their quiet and very solid contribution. Market strength is highest in the Permian, which includes Texas and New Mexico. This backstops the business. We have additional very strong contributions in the Rockies, which obviously includes the Bakken. We do business in California, Oklahoma, throughout Texas. We're working on other markets. Overall, J10 Catalyst is a very key part of CES financially and strategically. I'm going to try and save some of the nitty-gritty for Ace on these financial matters, Tony, which is capital allocation. But here are the headlines from me. CES will continue to set off equity-based comp, comp grants with share buybacks. In plain English, we are not going to dilute you to pay ourselves. I'll move on to the second bullet. We're very confident with industry and are placed within it. And thus, we're proud to reinstate our dividend. As a free cash flow generator within the sector, like our glory days with double this multiple, we're now paying you cold, hard cash to own our equity. With this very modest percent of free cash flow generation, we believe the dividend is sustainable through cycles. We'll move on to the second bullet. We will reduce our bond when we refinance it. With cash and liquidity, we expect to create within the context of this market and enjoy before we refinance it in an appropriate timeline. I'm now going to turn it over to the ace himself, Tony. Tony, please let me share my outlook on the sector and our place in it before we go to Q&A. 
Will do, Tom. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, thank you for the new indelible nickname. Um, so CES's second quarter results demonstrated strong revenues, margins, market share, and surplus free cash flow generation, underpinned by a focus on strategic investments in working capital and preservation of strong balance sheet and liquidity metrics. In the second quarter, CS generated revenue of 254 million and adjusted EBITDA of 32 million, representing a 12.6% margin. Q2 represented another consecutive quarter of strong financial performance with revenue, EBITDA, and margins steadily improving from the depths of 2020, while market share in the U.S. drilling fluids business has continued to march up nicely towards the 20% level from 13% a year ago. Over this past year, CES has continued to consistently generate positive funds from operations reaching levels of 23 million in Q2 and 27 million in Q1, while revenue in some divisions is actually approaching reaching distance of pre-COVID levels. CES remains confident in its ability to continue to generate material surplus-free cash flow amid an improving outlook. And on August 12th, the company's board of directors approved the reinstatement of its dividend on a quarterly basis. Accordingly, CS will pay a cash dividend of 1.6 cents per share on October 15th to shareholders of record at the close of business on September 30th, representing a dividend yield of over 4% on an annualized basis at yesterday's closing share price. CS's reinstated dividend returns additional value to shareholders, represents a conservative payout ratio, and preserves the strength of the company's balance sheet while maintaining ample liquidity to fund capital allocation options, including potential growth initiatives. As industry activity levels continue to improve in the quarter, CS remained disciplined on capital expenditures while retaining substantial liquidity and balance sheet strength. We exited the quarter with a net cash balance of $12 million compared to 18 million at the end of 2020. The decrease in cash was driven primarily by investment in strategic inventory and by the repurchase of 6.8 million shares for $10.3 million or $1.50 per share under our NCIB program. Our current net draw on our senior facility is approximately $3 million as a result of investments in working capital and the repurchase of approximately 700,000 shares since June 30th. CS's Q2 revenue of $254 million represents an increase of $94 million, or 59%, from Q2 2020, and in line with $261 million in Q1. Revenue generated in the U.S. was $175 million, or just under 70% of total revenue for the company. CS continues to participate in the improved drilling environment in the U.S., as demonstrated by our market share of 20% for the quarter. Revenue generated in Canada was 78 million in the quarter versus 38 million a year ago and 93 million in Q1. This stronger than expected sequential revenue level in the seasonally softer second quarter was the result, as Tom mentioned, of high activity levels in both our Canadian drilling fluids and production chemicals divisions. And in CS in the same quarter achieved adjusted EBITDA of 32 million, which represents 
a significant increase from the $8 million a year ago and in line with $34 million generated in Q1. Again, despite Q2 being a seasonally weaker quarter. Included in these results is a $3.1 million benefit recognized by CES from the Canadian federal government's CUES program. Adjusted EBITDA as a percentage of revenue in the quarter was 12.6%, representing a significant improvement from the 5.1% recorded in Q2 2020 as the company benefited from stronger competitive positioning, increased drilling and production levels, higher market share, and the realization of efforts in 2020 to right-size the business. CS has continued to maintain a prudent approach to capital spending through the quarter, with net spending of $4.5 million, representing approximately 1.8% of revenue. We will continue to adjust plans, as Tom mentioned, as required to support growth throughout divisions as industry conditions continue to unfold during the year. Right now, for 2021, we expect cash, cash capex to be up to $30 million, of which $20 million is estimated as maintenance and $10 million as growth. Our balance sheet continues to benefit from the attractive structuring and maturity schedules of our credit facility and senior notes. We ended Q2 with $305 million in total debt net of cash, comprised primarily of $288 million in senior notes, which, which mature in October of 2024. At June 30th, we had a net cash balance of 12 million on our senior facility with a maximum available draw of approximately 235 million CAD equivalent, providing us with significant availability. We remain cautiously optimistic on our outlook for the remainder of 2021 and beyond. Throughout 2020, the 2020 downturn and into the recovery period of the last few quarters, CS has consistently demonstrated its capex light and asset light decentralized business model, enabling generation of significant surplus free cash flow. As our customers increasingly regulate their business models to maintain spending within cash flows, we believe that CS will be able to leverage its established infrastructure, business model, and nimble customer-oriented culture to deliver superior products and services to the industry. In its core business, CS will focus on profitable growth, optimizing working capital, developing or acquiring new technologies, and making strategic investments as required to position the business to capitalize on current and future opportunities. Uh, operator, at this time, I'd like to pass it back to Tom for, uh, for a summary of his views on our outlook. I'm going to say what Ace Bailey said a lot less elegantly. Um, we like the new financial sustainable energy patch. The sector does not need to rely on outside money anymore. I personally believe it insulates industry from the political hatred that is building. And over here at CES, we don't kid ourselves. That's how it is now. And I believe we can make it because this place is built and run by a group of ex-private owners who don't get themselves. We built this company from 15 years ago that started with a chicken coop that staged mud chemicals to now having $300 million of infrastructure, assets, rolling stocks of trucks, inventory that we turn fast enough to turn into free cash flow. Most importantly, real customers that pay and maybe the most important, great trained 
motivated employees that we know to treat properly and keep through crashes. And I think a fabulous future. So with that, we're going to turn it over to Q&A. And then after that, we'll wrap it up. Thank you. We'll now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You'll hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Our first question is from Michael Robertson with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, Tom and Tony. Uh, congrats on the strong quarter, and thanks for taking my question. I, good morning. Um, um, Looks look like another uh, strong quarter for uh, U.S. drilling fluids market share. Um, I assume some of those recent gains have been driven by customer mix and who is more active out there right now. Just wondering what you're seeing and hopeful for from a market share standpoint over the, the, the coming quarters, assuming activity levels continually to uh, gradually pick up. Uh, I'm pretty, you know, it's interesting. One of the, well, a couple nuances I want to share with people. We do not $100 oil because the customer will not pay for the input cost increases to any of the chemical companies no matter what any of the people with my job put out for public letters telling your salespeople to get, that's not how the oil field works. They'll eat those letters. Salespeople will have to quit because they'll look like monkeys. So we don't want $100 oil because it'll screw the services. Um, but the nuance is natural gas is making money for all the customers. So we don't think the rate count in the U.S. is going to 800 because the customers are running businesses now, not trying to flood the market and sell their companies because there's no one to sell them to. So they're going to try and generate, I think, as an observer, cash flow, do what we just did, give the money back to people and hope they catch a bid. And so we're going to benefit from the privates running rigs. We're going to benefit from the slow creep of the public's maybe inching the rig count. But based on the results we just printed, I don't think we need anything to change. We're not looking to crank the dividend every quarter. We want to be a reliable payer of cash, a reliable supplier to the customer, a reliable employer to people. We want to slowly expand this business in a reliable way. I like not owing the bank money because if there's another crash in a commodity in the world, we're going to collect $100 million and be thoughtful with it because we don't owe anybody any money. And so that's how we're looking at it as a business. We're not trying to go to 30% market share in the U.S. and not make money off the 10%. And it's not the 10% that you won't make money on. It's the 20% you have that you'll destroy. And we know that from being private owners. 
That's the wisdom we get from building this company. I'll just say, instead of the centralized businesses that hire people in suits to take over from things they bought that they chased off the owner. So that's our competitive advantage. That's our business. It's why we're no longer telling our competitors why we have the work that they don't on our operations call and we're never going to resume. That's why the call was short. We have the work. We need to keep it so we can make money and give it to the people on this call. Uh, got it. That's, that's helpful, Color. Um, do, you, do you think you'll be able to uh, keep most of the gains uh, that you've you know, sort of picked up in, in recent quarters? It's up to the customer. If they won't let us make money, then we might go to 18%. But I don't think they can add days to their rigs. I don't think the competitors can keep losing money. I don't think the integrateds will enable them. But we're not taking the work and losing money. We went down from 22 to 20 because there's some customers that won't pay. And we're not paying our people. They won't work if they don't get paid. There's differences in the U.S. and Canada. For six years, it was risky to work in the oil patch in Canada, and there was just no work. So there's a nuance there that's different. People with my job are calling out some of the customers in the DOB. Um, I don't know, Michael. We're going to do the best we can. We're going to try and make money. We're going to try and meet the customers' needs. There's a reason we pushed in Oman, because Biden's trying to push the oil field out of the U.S. while he's demanding more oil. He's obviously talking out of both sides of his mouth. We can all see that, but we can't change it. They want it both ways. So, but natural gas is kind of a nice hedge for everyone on this call. We have South Texas revenue now that we didn't have a year ago because of that. And that's built into our results. We're not going to tell everyone where it is because our competitors are going to go chase it and try and offer a product for 10 cents a line item less because they're terrible on the rig. And that's how they get the work. So we're going to keep our cards close to the best try and give everyone better results, keep the work, and we're not changing. Uh, fair enough. That's, uh, that's helpful, color. Thanks. Um, just, just switching gears uh, to the, uh, the international opportunities, I uh, was, was wondering if you could pro- provide a bit more color there, uh, particularly in Oman. Uh, I appreciate its early days, but was interested in sort of, you know, what that operation will look like to, to better understand how it may serve as a platform for future opportunities in the Middle East. I think you should track down the customer and ask them. But if they can make oil, we hope to stick around and build off of it. There's a big backstory to it. It's premature to say it because it might not happen. We don't give guidance. If anyone's known me for the last 16 years in the market, we try not to sell too much hope. But I've been over there. I've been over there before. Other people have been over there. We've been poking at things. We need a sponsor, as we call it, in the oil field that will let us go over there and not start $20 million in the hole and build the field of dreams and hope they come because they don't because they know you're sunk and they have you where they want you. And this isn't that beginning. But at the end of the day, if the oil company can't make the oil flow, 
we can't change that and there won't be a platform. So it's too early to say, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the customer. They can speak for themselves. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, listen, I appreciate the, uh, the color and uh, thanks for taking my questions. I'll, uh, I'll turn it back. Thanks, Michael. The next question is from Joseph Schachter with Schachter Energy Research. Please go ahead. Good morning, Tom and Tony, and uh, congratulations on the quarter and um, also uh, reinstating the dividend. Uh, two questions for me. Uh, when you're talking to customers uh, in Canada and the States uh, for um, business and uh, you know heading into Q4 and then Q1, uh, are you getting um, much uh, um, increase of volumes that you see coming, uh, more jobs, and um, how is the uh, pricing discussions going? Um, in terms of um, starting to see some recovery of the cost increases and maybe expanding margins? Um, it's different in each country, Joseph. Um, the customers, I'd say, I mean, you know as much as we do about this because you cover both sides, EMP and service. It's 60, 70% of their money will go back in the ground. The rest, this is a generalization. Pay down debt, pay a dividend, pay a variable. Uh, but they've got cash flow from gas, not just oil. Hedges are falling off, so cash flow is going up. These places are swimming in money. Some of the big guys are pretending they're not energy producers now. They're usually from Europe. So they're talking out of, you know, let's say they're playing it both ways. I want to be respectful. Um, and we work for them. We need to work for them. We're solving their problems. We're better than the big, big guys that are centralized and can't figure it out on the rig. And their ops people have figured that out finally. Um, so visibility, I'd say 60% of cash flow goes in the ground. I, Canada is not in a position to go to 250 drilling rigs until some of the operators allow supply chain to let us pay people to take the risk to come back into this. This is not in the, case, the case in the States. In Canada, the rig crews are so green that we need 24-hour mud engineers on rigs that used to be able to go there for four hours to keep the rig out of trouble, mix the product, and not get them three days later stuck in the hole. It's changed. We have to babysit the mixing, the inventory, keep them out of trouble. We're literally carrying sacks that we didn't used to. And we have to pay the people more to take the risk to come back into the sector. And we have certain operators that expect us to show up with a sharp pencil, despite knowing shipping companies are turning the screw on the whole globe. We can't change that. That's why we don't want $100 oil because they won't even let us pay people 300 bucks a day more to come back into a sector that has burned them and burned them, not through the sector's fault, but through you know whose fault. So we're trying to bridge that divide. A lot of customers are working with the vendors. That's why we had a good quarter. I want to be clear, we're very grateful to those customers. I know people with my job feel the same way at other services, but we need some of the bigger places to let the supply chain guys 
help them win so we can put a better person on that rig to keep the rig crew out of trouble, or the sector's not going to 250 rigs despite the cash to put them to work, because they're going to all get stuck in the hole, and they won't even crew the rig. So there's some nuances here, Joseph. Um, we're going to, if we just keep putting this quarter up, I'll be really happy. Um, going to the international side, uh, are you sending people to Nigeria and Oman, uh, but not building a base because you don't want to put, as you mentioned, twenty million of capital that the customers got you over the barrel? Uh, do you um, are you just sending people over with the with the product, or um, how much is and and how are there where would the people be staged, um, and uh, and would you at some point then need a base? Specifically, Nigeria is production chemicals. It's half emulsion breakers and then half the other stuff, so it protects production. Um, no people. It's con- it's Seacans out of Houston. It's to a company that does the work on the ground. They're competing against big integrated. So there's they're competing against manufacturers. They need a manufacturer to give them technical advice. Shout out to our chief technology officer. He went from scientist to BD. It took, in his words, it looks fast to you guys. This took forever in the background. So way to go to Dave Horton. We would have more product in the ground, except because of the shipping issues. There's a couple sea cans tied up in Houston. Zero people at risk, zero capital at risk, Joseph, zero product at risk. It's elbow grease, and we're all about working 24-7, so we're cool with that. As far as Oman, I personally was there. AES people were there. Canadian supply chain and U.S. supply chain are actively doing this. And just so people understand their business, we bring product from all over the world. We finish it in North America and sell it to North American operators. A North American operator is in Oman, we're working for them. We have an Oman family that has infrastructure there that we can work off of. We can buy certain commodities at market. It's kind of a protected market. If market pricing is one, they've kept everyone out by pricing them at 1.2. It took forever to get us to market we're at market. We're on the work. I'm not talking about the play. That's the customer's play, not our play. I can only talk about our part and warn everyone. If there's no, if they can't make the play work, it's nothing. But we are actively selling work. We have one single person there who's already Omani. I spent a bunch of time there earlier this year. So did two other AES people. We believe in the play because we believe in the ability of the customer to find oil before it's out of the ground based on their incredible success. So we're just going where they go because that serves CES forever. And that we bet on the horses that win. So that's the story. Good. Uh, one more for me. Um, M&A activity with some of the weaker competitors ha- you know, having financial difficulties and you having a strong balance sheet. Do you see potential of any smaller or medium-sized tuck unders uh, across your platform? Well, they want to ascribe a bunch of value to making no money. 
And we're not giving our value away, so not really. Okay, that's it. That's it for me. Thanks very much, and again, congratulations, and uh, nice to see the dividend again. Thanks for sticking with the sector and the thoughtful questions. Thank you. The next question is from Matthew Weeks from IA Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my questions. I, w- I was just wondering, first of all, um, if you could provide a little bit of color on sort of the strength in, in Canada uh, during the quarter, you know, rig counts were, were solid. Um, it was quite a good quarter there. Was, was there, was it a material impact from, from the exports to uh, Nigeria or, or on the revenue side where there's some kind of uh, input cost uh, pass-throughs to customers that, uh, that ended up being uh, really margin neutral in the end? Or uh, what, what was sort of the cause there? International was immaterial financial. It's more directional that we want to share. It didn't move the needle one little bit. In fact, my airfare and hotel probably made us lose money. Not that I stayed in the Taj Mahal, but we didn't make any money, just so everyone knows. We haven't made any money yet. We haven't lost a bunch, but it didn't change anything. Okay, thank you. And were there uh, were there any inflation pass-throughs at all? Well, we're trying to get them, but it's whack-a-mole. I mean, the whole world, whatever the government's saying, there's massive inflation everywhere. I mean, you can read the news. There's ships tied up outside Los Angeles. I mean, ocean freight is seven or eight times to tie up a sea container than it was 15, 18 months ago. And every single supplier to every single sector is not exempt from this. Because we're a manufacturer in North America, we are working hard to get around that. But the storm in Houston affected the oil field. It affected the ability to make certain products to treat certain chemistries. I'm not telling anyone what they are here. We're keeping up. We're winning new business because we're our supply chain people and ops people are doing an incredible job of balancing that and winning new work where our competitors are falling down. And that's all I'm saying. Um, but it's Matthew, it's tight. It's very tough. It's part of how we had a good quarter. There's no outliers. I don't think that are one-offs, but in some businesses, there's always outliers. We're big enough to have them all the time. And We'll probably have one in Q3 that's up, one that's down, and they'll kind of wash out. I've done this a long time. That's how it's always going to go. We're going to have one drilling job that takes lost circulation or a kick in a quarter. We don't know which one it'll be. That's why we carry inventory. It'll get mixed sooner or later. Don't break it before it gets mixed. Okay, understood. Thank you for the commentary on that. Uh, and, and just one more for me. It's, it's just a confirmation. I just wanted to confirm the the uh, the drilling numbers that that were mentioned earlier in the prepared remarks was it 58 jobs today in Canada and 83 in the U.S. Is that correct? Correct, correct. Okay, thank you very much. That's it for me. I'll uh, turn the call back. The next question is from Tom Monticello from ATB Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, some of the, I mean, most of the commentary on the call so far has sort of spoken to the, 
resistance from customers to accept pricing increases and understanding that I guess the inflationary aspects of this upcycle are unprecedented. You also have a tightening market from a supply demand perspective for services. And I would assume that most of your competitors, given their outward stance around um, maintaining margin profiles, would have a sort of similar view to pricing increases as yourselves. So do you think, or is there any reason that you think that through the cycle as activity improves, that your leverage over customers won't also improve? Uh, well, I've done this since 93. And if you ever hear me say I have leverage over the customer, put a bullet in me or my customer will. It does not work like that ever. If we ever have that arrogance in here, management should be fired by the board in one second. We do not have leverage. We work at their pleasure. We scratch and claw to make this money. That is our culture. It will never change. Okay. And on, in past calls, you said, you know, you don't really need pricing increases. You need to, you know, keep, no, it, I, no, keep pricing. I, no, no. No? Okay. No. Our stuff's going up in cost. We're scratching and clawing to get it paid for. That's why I don't mean to sound edgy. We do not $100 oil because it will eat everyone's lunch because people will barely let us pay someone that hasn't worked in six years in Canada. How do they convince their family to come back into this racket knowing Trudeau wants people to drive electric cars places they can't even get to on a tank of gas to get elected? Uh, how do they convince their family to go work on a drilling rig as a mud engineer at a rate that they got six years ago or less and take that risk for their family. So the ask here that the DOBL print is, please let us pay the person what it takes to take the risk. We're not ripping you off. It's real. We need the price increase. We're not immune. Just because we make the molecule doesn't mean we can make the input. If oil's a hundred bucks, somehow on paper be seventy. Okay, understood. Um, I guess uh, my, my my point around pricing increases, I guess, on the net basis. But uh, what I was really trying to get at was like when you look at that, let's say you know pricing doesn't increase, and you're able to get you know, similar pricing to what you're getting today on a net basis. Do you, do you think margins improve based on operating leverage? Do you still see, you know, solid operating leverage in the business? Well, I hope I was very respectfully careful that we're not chasing market share. So we hope we have customers that pay for results, not line item, that they care about their case toll costs, we think we do because we held 20%, which is pretty close to 22. We just turned the dividend back on, so we believe it. So we're just we're voting with our feet. Okay, got it. I appreciate it. But, but I mean, we. That, that, that's the answer. I mean, operating leverage, like, 
We're not chasing the Haynesville to not make money and add 30 rigs and figure out somehow that's going to help. Like, go look at the people that have the work and look at their results. They keep printing a huge loss. How are they flipping that with more work that loses money? Like, the group of us running this place ran private businesses. Your tax return sucks when that happens. Okay, understood. Thanks, guys. Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. Our next question is from Keith Mackey with RBC. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, and uh, thanks for taking my question. Just, just curious. Uh, you mentioned Tom that um, you, you may spend a bit more capital in the back of the year, back half of the year, on some things that um, you know will will strategically or just uh, improve the business. Just curious if you can give us a bit more color on what that uh, what that might be and how you're thinking about um, about the decision to proceed or not, or not. It's been contemplated all year, Keith. It's inside the brackets we've guided, and we're not going to disclose the products for competitive reasons, but uh, you won't get sticker shock later on the number. Got it. Makes sense. And just on, on maintenance capital, so, you know, kind of around that, that $20 million number, um, just curious if you, you know, if you see that changing throughout this year or next, given, given the, you know, lower demand or lower requirement for for treater trucks and, and and things like that just given the mix of wells that you're that you're treating these days no i'm not a production expert i'm a drilling expert that's kind of out of the game um i think over time it gradually shifts but you know we've got a lot of stuff now so we got to keep it up to date um we got a lot of pickups so Maybe the number slides. I don't know, Tony. What do you think? Two to five. Yeah, just. But if we're but we're a growing business, Keith. So this is kind of on the spot. But maybe ten of growth slides to fifteen because we can make more money spending five in the business than trying to buy stock over time. And I'll let you answer, Tony. Yeah. No. Just a way. And actually, that's a thoughtful question. And I think the. Uh, underpinning consideration is the fact that uh, revenues at about a billion dollar run rate we did 1.3 billion uh, the guys did a really good job of maintaining all of our stuff plants equipment etc and and you're right because of those secular trends uh, like the uh, the transition to a higher percentage of wells being represented by uh, uh, multi well pad drilling and, and sites and improved logistics Things like treater truck demand as a percentage of overall work will come down. I, we don't want to hang our hats on it, but I think you're, you're on to something that we're frankly watching very closely um, because we would like for it to stay at 20 and maybe come down a bit. Uh, the other thing, just like other cost inflation areas that we're, uh, we're not immune to, is the uh, very tight trucking market that North America and, and the world has experienced over the last year. So it'll be interesting and we're all watching and the guys are making all the right decisions real time in their divisions, doing the best and using partners on, on, the, uh, on, on the vehicle spends. But until some of that inflation is off, I think we're not going to know for sure. If I had to guess, I guess we stay at 20 or maybe come down a bit. Got it. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks very much. 
This concludes the question and answer session. I'll hand the call back over to Tom Simons for any closing remarks. Uh, well, I'm going to wrap up the call by saying uh, thanks to our customers and employees for helping us produce a great quarter. We're really pleased to be returning cash to shareholders coming out of COVID. Like everyone in the sector, we're really happy oil stores didn't fill and receivables converted to cash for all the vendors. We look forward to the next call uh, to give an update, and uh, we'll wrap up the call with that. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.